I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 171 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we give our take on what it means to be an ethical podcaster. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we have a twofer where I talk about my recent Roadcaster Pro firmware update experience, and SP talks about a follow-up to the Apple discussion last week. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we have some reactions to the Roadcaster Pro firmware update. Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting, a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools, and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast. What makes us different? Well, just like you, we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it. Podcasting is our hobby, and we recognize that it's yours too. We always encourage your questions and feedback, and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. Here's your host for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen. I'm a multi-track, not multi-track recorder, John Drew. And of course, I've got Stargate Pioneer with me today. That depends on if you have a USB input to your PC or not. How you doing, Stephen? I am excellent now that we're doing another episode of Better Podcasting. Yes, if you are familiar with this, we do a video version of this as well. So if you want to go ahead and check it out at betterpodcasting.com, we do an audio and a video version. So if you want to see our mugs, we got a nice beard cast going on over at betterpodcasting.com. And if this is not the second time or later that you have listened or watched this show, you probably don't know that we usually kick this off with a how I save my podcast story. At the beginning here, what we like to do is if someone has saved a podcast, we like them to send that to us so that we can share with the class what went wrong, how was it fixed, and in the weeks that we don't have that, we like to dig into the internet ether and find something that went wrong or potentially went wrong on the internet and talk about how someone could have saved their podcast. So we usually kick it off, but we got a very cram full show today. So we're going to go ahead and skip over that. But we do have some stuff that is lined up for future episodes, including some video feedback and whatnot for a uh, future How I Say My Podcast story. And also, if you have one, you can definitely send it in to us. Where do they do that, SP? They can email us, podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Give us a link to the video or audio file that you have, or you can go ahead and leave us your story on the Discord server. That's at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We're also available on Twitter at betterpod. And Stephen, I do have a how I save my podcast story for the future. So I'm just going to tease that. I've actually teased it for about a month now, but I finally have it done and we're going to talk about it in the future. I can't wait to hear from that Stargate Pioneer guy. Can't wait to hear from him. Steven, how long have we been podcasting together? Not sure. Uh, a couple of episodes. But let's go ahead and move on to our featured segment. If you are podcasting and listening to this show and consider yourself a hobby podcaster, odds are that you either work in an industry or soon plan to work in an industry, maybe in case you're a student, or maybe you have already worked within a business industry and now you're retired. And whether you realize it or not, most, if not all industries have some sort of ethics that guides personal and professional conduct. For example, you might've heard of these terms that describe ethics in industry, such as business ethics, corporate ethics, applied ethics, and professional ethics. This is all about ethics in industry. Since podcasting is such a new industry and there is no known that we can find codified and mutually agreed upon podcasting ethics code that's specific to podcasting, but that's not to say that there aren't certain ethical good practices that are already in widely accepted use by many in the industry, even if they're not official. 
Now, podcasting has so far borrowed from ethics codes from other industries stemming from broadcasting or news reporting. And there is the entertainment intellectual property sort of legal codes. Now, because there is no podcasting ethics codes, like I said, at least not that we've seen, we're not here today to create one or enforce one, but as hobby podcasters who do this out of the love of podcasting, today we want to take some time to talk about what we think ethical podcasting is. Things that we think would benefit podcasters and listeners if everyone were to podcast this way. What we're going to do today is provide some real examples of things that we've seen in podcasting and that we think fall in the realms of podcasting ethics. And more importantly, how these will pertain to you to help keep your heads high, be able to look yourself in the mirror and get some sleep every night. Now, note through this segment, we're going to start with a statement of something that we would deem an unethical practice and then expand on why we feel so and what's important to know about that. And that's going to be the bulk of this segment that we have in front of us. Steven, why don't you start us off? All right. So let's go ahead and start off with using your RSS to artificially inflate download numbers. So again, just to track what we said, that would be the unethical practice that we would call it. So as a podcast listener, have you ever noticed your podcatcher suddenly downloading every single back catalog episode of a show that you're subscribed to? Sometimes even the ones that you've already listened to maybe more than once? Yeah, we've seen that too. And honestly, we do find that a little bit annoying. Now, it's worth noting at this point that many podcatchers do have episode download limits that you can set for each show so that that doesn't just go and fill up your device. So if that's happened to you and your device has gotten filled up with that, go take a look at the settings because that might help you out there. But here's the thing when that happens. Sometimes you might happen to hear that same podcaster state somewhere down the road that they uh, maybe our podcast has been downloaded 100,000 times or the podcast has just reached 1 million downloads or we're number one in our iTunes category. Yes, it's true that sometimes this mass download can happen due to an innocent mistake. On the other hand, sometimes some podcasters might actually use this technique to artificially boost their download numbers. A not so innocent mistake, right, SP? That's right. So what you can do is each episode has this unique ID associated with it called the GUID or G-U-I-D, and that's the identifier in the RSS feed. If a podcast producer is able to change that GUID for the episode, it forces the episode to be redownloaded to subscribers in a podcatcher's app. And this could be good because if you've made a mistake in a episode and you want to get that mistake erased, this is one way to force the redownload of the new one. But it's also bad because you're forcing a redownload to a podcatcher and a listener. And also, if you're trying to increase your download numbers, if you also mask your RSS through a third party, for example, let's just say I host my podcast episodes on Libsyn, and if I didn't want to use the Libsyn RSS feed, I'd want to mask that. Maybe I have PowerPress enabled on a website, and I wanted to use that RSS feed, or maybe use the podcast mirror, which is basically about the same thing to create the RSS feed, or Chrome forbid, feed burner. Do not recommend using FeedBurner. If you're on FeedBurner, you, I just don't know when that thing's going to fall apart. You can actually change the GUID using those services and force that redown of basically all of your episodes and cause your statistics to rise. And if the show has intentionally done any of that, that would, in my opinion, be considered a breach in ethics, especially if that increased statistic number, that download number is used for something like a media kit or to show advertisers or maybe just to make your competition look bad, like you posted in a Facebook group or a subreddit somewhere. So it's available for other people to look how great we're doing. Now, truth be told, we've actually seen some pretty names have this happen to their feed more than once. And unfortunately, because sometimes podcasting is a business, we don't podcast for a business here on Better Podcasting, but sometimes we realize it is, we can't help but question what the producer's motivation was and if it was above board or not. 
And it's also worth noting that when it happens more than once in a short period of time, the credibility of the excuse that they don't know what they're doing holds less value. It might still be true, but it starts to lose that value. And we've spoken to dozens of people that feel the same way. I've spoken to people in private messages back and forth. We haven't put a poll out on this or anything, but I'll bet you that if you are a podcaster listener and you've had this happen before and you're like, what is going on? Odds are it was one of these things and it negatively affects the credibility of that podcast and the producer. And if you want to collaborate with anybody in the future, they might be remembering that. Say it's in your same niche and you're listening to another podcast and you have this happen. You're like, I don't want to work with them because they're doing this sketchy thing. Now, again, might've been innocent, but it does cr um, cred into the credibility. So definitely don't be doing that on purpose because people might see that and they will probably know the truth. The next thing that we want to talk about here, and this is something that comes up quite a bit in podcasting is the incorrect use of, of affiliate links. Now, there are a lot of podcasters who use affiliate links to help earn themselves a little bit of money. Now, did you know that there's actually rules for these affiliate links? And it's important that you follow these rules. A few years ago, there was actually many examples that suddenly came out of many high profile podcasters that weren't following the rules for affiliate links. Did you know that there's actually FCC rules about disclosing when a recommendation will financially benefit you. There's also individual rules that these companies can sometimes have about using their affiliate links. And honestly, there were a lot of podcasters who were using, we'll call it creative licensing on how to use the affiliate links and not really following what they were supposed to be doing. So this is definitely something that, hey, A for effort for trying to, you know, make it work the way that you want to make it work. But we recommend that you don't mess around with the whole rules surrounding affiliate links because it really, really can bite you, especially because of the fact that as you start to grow your profile and you start to have more affiliate links come out, you're probably going to find yourself under more scrutiny. And so if you start to play around with those affiliate links early on and all of a sudden someone looks at you and they're like, hey, you're making lots of money. Let's take a look they could potentially cost you lots of money that you had banked on because maybe it wasn't valid and all of a sudden your account is emptied out or your account is canceled. It doesn't really matter what the consequence is. If you're not following the rules, it definitely can hurt you in the long run. And honestly, whenever we've heard people who have had their, can their accounts canceled or whatnot, there tends to be a certain level of trying to justify the reasoning but at the end of it, there's always a concrete reason that that account was canceled. And generally, the person that's trying to justify it is just trying to justify it in their own eyes. So definitely don't play around with that. And we think that if you want to be using affiliate links, do your best to follow the rules so that you don't have that cancellation happen on you later. Because it really hurts if you're like, you know what? I got $100 sitting in that account. I'm going to go and put that towards A, B, C, and D. And then all of a sudden that hundred dollars is gone. The next area that we want to talk about is of potential ethical violations is paying for downloads and subscribers. This has been around for a while and it's not necessarily limited to podcasting. You can pay for listeners or subscribers on Fiverr. You get emails from click farms all the time and says, Hey, we can boost your podcasts in iTunes to number one in the category for $500 or $2,000 or whatever it is. And like I said, this goes outside of podcasting. This also hits just generic web traffic as well, or maybe even YouTube videos. Why do people actually do this? Well, they might believe that this might get you a higher ranking in iTunes or a better recommendation in YouTube through the YouTube algorithm. But who really uses the iTunes categories to find podcasts anyway? Apparently, there is a lot of thought that this happens. I've yet to meet somebody that says, oh, I went into this iTunes category and I chose the number one podcast there. If that's you, great, but I just don't see a lot of people doing that. Or they feel like they can market that amount of traffic to advertisers. And ultimately, it's about monetization saying, hey, we get 2,000 downloads per podcast or 20,000 downloads per podcast, and they can legitimately show that. 
and it's used to enhance your total download number for that reason. Heck, a few years ago when I was still on Facebook, and Stephen, I know you remember this because we talk about it from time to time, the Facebook podcasting groups were flooded and we talked about it when it happened. They were just absolutely flooded with actual pictures of download numbers of these, and I'll just call it right out. It turned out to be entrepreneurial podcasters that they were boasting about getting like 1 million downloads in two months or something like that. And I was always scratching my head on why. Now, this is not the singular reason, but it's one of the reasons that this happened. And we both knew that it wasn't because this was organic traffic. We knew that something else fishy had to be going on, but it took us a while to figure it out. So another variant of inflating downloads is by forcing autoplays through Twitter and your web page. And a couple of years ago, we talked about a facet known as Twitter bombing, where you would throw your direct download or direct play link into a Twitter tweet and then do like 20 to 100 or 200 tweets a day and just drive up the, your actual listens because the bots are syncing up those links and they're actually the bots are playing it. The Autobots, the not the Transformers Autobots, but <laughs> the the bots that are actually scanning all of the links out there and trying to worm their way through everything. Now, the good thing is that the IAB Podcast Measurement Guidelines 2.0 kind of cuts out a lot of that stuff, so we don't see it as much anymore. But if you have a hosting company such as Anchor or SoundCloud, and they're not IAB Podcast Measurement Guidelines 2.0 compliant not even certified, but not even compliant, then these downloads could actually work for increasing the downloads. And unfortunately, there are still podcasts out there that try to continue to game the system if they're on one of those podcast hosts. It's not just limited to Anchor and SoundCloud, by the way. There are a lot of podcast hosts out there that this actually pertains to because they're not compliant or certified. But the podcasts themselves that end up trying to do this they lose respect from the podcast industry and it's just not really worth it to try to game your downloads for those reasons. It's better off to improve your content than to try one of these schemes. The next thing that we want to briefly talk about here is using the infamous monthly download when you're discussing your numbers or the total downloads when it's being implied otherwise. Have you ever heard of a podcaster reporting that they have X amount of downloads on their show, but there's no real correlation when you look at their other like social media and whatnot, their Twitter, their Facebook, their Instagram, like maybe they say that they have themselves hundreds of thousands of downloads, but then you go and you look and their Twitter has 20 people and their Facebook has no interaction. You know what, SP, you actually once had a podcaster who guested on your show state that it was how many? I actually guessed it on their show. Oh, sorry. And I asked them how many downloads that they had after we recorded, because I really didn't care. I was just curious. Hey, how many downloads do you have? And they said, we had 500,000 downloads per episode. And I was floored. I was like, dude, I need to get you an agent. You need to be making lots of money and everything. And I'm frantically looking at those secondary indicators, like how big their Twitter was, how big their Facebook was, and it wasn't adding up. So I kept pressing them. And this will happen if you press anybody that gives you that fictitious number. They will either do one of two things. They will slowly just back away kind of sheepishly and just try to drop it from conversation. And I've never pressed anybody that's tried to do that. I've never gotten in their face and say, no, I want to know what you're talking to. Is this per episode or is this your total downloads or is this downloads per month? I've never pressed anybody for that. So they either do that or they will flip and say, well, we only get 120 downloads per episode or we only get 30 downloads per episode or something like that. Right. And it's at that point, I'm not going to press them any further. It's just, if you're going to state that fantastical number in that one case it was literally 500,000 downloads i was really scratching my head over that and also like thinking what am i doing wrong that <laughs> i'm not getting 500,000 downloads because they had content that was very similar to our shows here on the guinea geek network and it turns out that whatever they're doing they're not actually reporting it right and also if you're doing a podcast and you're reporting the downloads per month, that's just not gonna work. Why is it not gonna work? How many episodes are they producing per month? Say they're releasing one episode per day or two episodes per day. 
or five episodes a week or 10 episodes a week or 15 episodes a week. It doesn't really matter. Say that they're just dropping episode after episode after episode and they have all their buddies from school and college, whatever. They're still downloading the show because they've asked them to and they're really strong buddies. So even if you have like 30 or 50 buddies that are doing that, it's going to add up if you drop 100 episodes in a month. So that's one way it just doesn't add up. And then also another way is if you have a podcast that's been on for years and if you've just been downloading or publishing weekly, that's going to add up in your back catalog. And say you do have evergreen content, people are going to download your episodes over time. But really, the industry right now is only caring about the download per episode in 30 days. That seems to be the key marker. So if you're comparing apples to apples, you want an IAB podcast measurement guidelines 2.0 compliant statistics, and you want to give the 30 downloads in or the number of downloads in 30 days. So just whatever you do, don't try to inflate it artificially because honestly, uh, it'll probably bite you in the end. So just do that. Do what SP said there. The other thing that we sometimes see people do is only driving listeners to affiliate linked services. Now, we've both here heard about podcasts who have pretty much only recommended products that weirdly have affiliate links. Yes, there are some products that do have affiliate links that people genuinely recommend. But here's the thing. If somebody is only recommending services that they get a cutback, how much exactly is that review or recommendation genuine? We've seen that happen quite a bit. And SP, I know you're really, really passionate about this. So I'll go ahead and let you give the examples. A great example starts right here on Better Podcasting, and that is the Electrovoice RE320. It's a great deal from BSW USA, right? And it's a combo, and it comes with the microphone, the pop filter, and the shock mount. Right now, it's running $329 for the combo, and it's the best deal that you're going to get on a large diameter dynamic cardioid broadcast microphone out there just because you get all that combo in one but you can only get it at BSW, which by the way, does not have affiliate links. So when people try to send you their Electrovoice RE320 affiliate links, it's going to be to somewhere like B&H Photo or Amazon or something like that. And you're never going to get that good deal. So they're not, whoever's recommending it never says, hey, why don't you go out to BSW and get this good deal because they're not getting any kickbacks from that. So you just got to be careful of where you get your advice. You might not be getting the best deal on anything, but you are paying for the advice, right? He or she tells you to go get the Electrovoice RE320 and you go get it because you've been told it's a great microphone. You just don't know about that combo deal. That's why whenever I recommend the RE320, I always say, look, there's this combo deal at BSW. Go get it from there. Otherwise, you're going to end up paying so much more or you're going to lose capability because you're not going to end up with the shock mount or the pop filter for the same amount of money. Another example that has hurt podcast media host credibility over the years, even though it is a valid recommendation, is podcast consultants who only recommend Libsyn as a media host. Now, while it is true that Libsyn is a great podcast media hosting option, I have heard several times over the years that people deliberately refuse to choose Libsyn as a podcast media host because they have only been recommended from podcast consultants with a referral code. And that referral code means that the podcast consultant is actually getting paid for the recommendation. Now we've discussed here on Better Podcasting about what is recommended for choosing a media host. And if you've ever been on Reddit, you've seen me summarize the fact that I have a 15 point criteria and that does in fact place Libsyn as one of the two podcast media hosts that I can recommend. Now, neither of us has a Libsyn affiliate link or referral code. We get nothing from recommending Libsyn as a podcast media service. This is an example of us giving a recommendation that is not based due to an affiliate code. It's based on that 15 point recommendation or 15 point criteria. Although I feel compelled to say right now that we also agree that self-hosting your media and RSS feed continues to be a great option for ownership reasons and other reasons as well. So if you want to go ahead and self-host, that's great. But if you're looking at a podcast media host company, 
Lipson is one of them that we rec- would recommend. So if you're a podcast consultant and you advocate one specific service or product with an affiliate link or referral code, and you better make sure you stay current on other industry options or else your credibility for your recommendations will be question. And this goes beyond podcast consultant. This is any industry at all. Just make sure you're able to address other options out there and say why you would or wouldn't, because maybe there is another good recommendation out there that you just don't get a referral code for, just like with the RE320 with that BSW combo. Yeah. And I think it's really important that last part that you said where this can happen outside of the podcast industry, because there are a lot of affiliate codes for other things. So within the scope of your podcast, if you are giving out affiliate links for whatever it is, maybe it's a a awesome party convention in Tijuana for your woodworking convention. Uh, maybe there's a specific uh, caterer or something. Uh, make sure you've got reasons to back up that recommendation uh, if you are constantly giving it out with a referral code. Uh, you know, those crazy woodworking Tijuana conventions. Uh, the next thing that we want to talk about is overselling results. This can sometimes happen in the podcast industry, and it's something that you should definitely watch out for as a podcaster. You've heard the old thing is like, you too can look like the rock if you just take this pill four times a day. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So you want to be aware of this in the scope of podcasting. You know, do you have those friends that all of a sudden fall into those January exercise fads or, you know, the gym memberships that just never produce results because they have been over promised what it's going to do? Yeah. Again, that applies to the podcast industry. So here's a good example. Like, let's let's talk about podcast conferences. There are some good reasons that people might want to go to podcast conferences, but a lot of times we've seen them build incorrectly or maybe not the the most truthful way to hobby podcasters like if someone goes if you come to this conference and you spend say two thousand to five thousand dollars on this conference your 30 download per episode podcast is going to be the next apple podcast big hit if that's the impression that's being sold it's probably not true now Obviously, that was an extreme example. We get that. Don't ask me for the source. I, I, I won't give you the source, but that's the sort of feeling that sometimes you get from these podcast conventions. Now, for hobby podcasters, we recommend just working on your content before going to these conventions, but it's an example on how within the podcast industry, sometimes things might sound better on paper than they'll translate for you as a hobby podcaster. Now, the thing that is important to know is when you're overselling or someone in the industry is overselling things, that credibility quickly diminishes. So all of a sudden, somebody has gone and they spent that $5,000 on that convention and they come back and they're in status quo. The next time that that person has a recommendation or that person has something that's going on, maybe it is completely legitimate, that credibility might be gone. Just use common sense if you're promoting a product on your podcast or a service or an event and make sure you fully disclose what the listener can expect if they purchase that and what you are getting in return. Say you're getting a kickback on a ticket or a percentage on a service or something like that. Just make sure you disclose that and you'll keep your credibility up there. And that's what it's all about. The next subject that we're going to talk to is going to be really short, really, because we're going to say it flat out. No fake news and no plagiarism. And we've spoken about these issues before with podcasting research on Better Podcasting Episode 68, Conducting Research. Enough said. We're not going to belabor this one. It's been all over for the past couple of years. We're not going to hit you over the head with it. We've all seen these issues Just do your research, no fake news, no plagiarism. Another thing that's kind of quick and pretty self-explanatory, but you should be aware of because this can really affect you as a content creator, is people who are copywriting IPs other than their own. Remember, there's a whole bunch of patent trolls out there, and specifically, there was a podcast patent troll that was trying to do this and really capitalize on the podcast industry. There are people who go and they issue copyright claims against your content on YouTube. We talked about that a few episodes. Again, these are things you want to be aware of existing because it could definitely impact you as a content creator. Now, 
if you if if somebody went and did this, this will probably eventually catch up to them. But we think that it's really important that as an industry, people are aware that this sort of stuff happens so that you can look out for your neighbor. If all of a sudden your buddy in podcasting is getting hit by false copyright claims, you can be there to lend them an ear or lend them some support somehow because it really sucks when it happens. And I speak from experience. Next area we're going to go into is basically claiming fair use too liberally. And this just happened to me today, Stephen. Somebody was asking, if I just play 15 seconds of a song, am I okay? Eh, no, no, you're not okay. I love these excuses, by the way. I'm just playing four seconds of that song. That's within fair use, right? Or I'm just talking about the latest Star Wars movie, yet you're actually using torrented, illegal-based audio in your podcast to actually give the what is said on the screen if the movie's still in the theater. Or here's another good one. And we'll talk about this a little bit later. I'm just going to use this photo from this website. It, it's common use, right? It's out there on the website. Nope. Odds are you are well beyond and outside fair use. Eventually, and we've spoken about this before, podcasting will have those YouTube-like algorithms that run against all our MP3 files or AAC files or whatever it becomes in the future. Because... When you get that takedown notice and that $15,000 bill per occurrence, like we discussed in Better Podcasting episode 158 recently, have fun paying that lawyer to try to back out of that $15,000 bill per occurrence. We believe so strongly in actually using non-copyrighted material in your show that we use it as a criteria on Gonna Geek when we review shows to become part of the network. And if you're interested in that, gonnageek.com slash join is where to go to get all that information. But in this case, if you're protecting yourself from the future, go ahead and limit or eliminate your use of copyrighted material, and you're going to earn the respect from your audience and competition, even if you're not getting the cool content out there, the cool music or the cool quotes from the TV show or movie or whatever. Moving on to the next thing that we think is something that w would be worth talking about is keyword stuffing. I know you've never heard this term before, right? Not only is Apple Podcast going to kick you out for keyword stuffing, the bottom line is it's just bad practice. We discussed in length in episode 145 with keyword stuffing and last episode shed some new light based on some Apple Podcast tags. And we're going to talk a little bit more in the download here. But keyword stuffing is something that more and more people are becoming aware of, and they're questioning people who are doing this. Yes, sometimes it will work for SEO if the tags are searched, like the title tag. And yes, there are some modifiers that you probably would want to use. For example, TV show podcasts. How are you going to know that it's about the TV show if you're not putting some keywords in there? But you don't want to overdo it because it can be misleading. It can cause a bad experience for the end user. It can get the wrong person to the wrong content. And ultimately, that might get you a one-star review or something like that, thus affecting your podcast. So definitely make sure you don't do keyword stuffing because you might think it's all well and good until you get caught but it can cause long-term effects. And again, people will judge. More and more people are aware of this stuff now, and especially, especially when they get to somewhere that they don't want to be. Now, speaking of getting to where you don't want to be, this can also apply to websites because of the fact that sometimes people end up keyword stuffing their articles with these tags. And so someone's doing a Google search and there's something that they come across and they come to your podcast or your website. And they're like, wait a minute, this isn't it. So definitely make sure you also watch what you put on your website because you don't want to do it, overdo it on your website. Because again, you might get some bad emails. You might get some bad reviews. You might get all sorts of things. Now, that's not where we want to leave it with websites, right, SP? There's also another factor with websites that we want to take into consideration and that's dating your website posts or 
not dating your website posts. We're not talking about dating, like going out for a date. We're talking about oh. like putting an actual date on like March 4th, 2019. Darn that's it. the sort of date we're talking about. I know you got excited there, Stephen. I, I know. No, I was just trying to think like what the abbreviation would be for, for man for website. If I was going to put a Craigslist ad up. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> so We see this more and more online with say the top X articles you know the top five reasons top 10 reasons or whatever or general advice articles there's no dates with those online posts and the problem with this is it's hard to tell if something is still even relevant and i guess that's the point the people that post the article dates are or don't post the article dates are hiding the fact that content might not be 100 relative relevant anymore if I don't see an article date on a web page article that I'm looking at, I just move on to the next one because there's no way to put it in context. I just don't deal with it. I would date your posts. If you have a website, go ahead and do that. Date your podcasts if you have to. Even if you think it's evergreen, because eventually nothing is really evergreen. I mean, it might be evergreen by the entire time your podcast is out there, but eventually it won't be. So Especially if it's dealing with podcast advice, something that you're talking about in your podcast might not be with podcasting, whatever you're podcasting about. It actually changes so quickly in the tech world right now that it's how you end up with people listening to advice from 10 years ago. And in relation to better podcasting, that's how like the Blue Yeti seems to come up more and more and more and more as a good option, even though there's tons of people saying, no, get this Samsung Q2U or this ATR 2100. They're still fixated on that Blue Yeti. So that's just an example on that of how it can go awry 10 years later. And lastly, before we move on to the download here, the last thing that we want to mention is using other people's work for your podcast. Yes, we talked about copyright earlier, but this goes beyond copyright. Whether it is something that is in your, in your podcast every week or something that is related to your podcast, like an image, don't use someone else's work for your podcast because it's just bad practice. We've seen people lift other people's work within their podcast, and we've seen this happen through just pulling an audio clip and using it all the time within their show or grabbing a first image they find on Google and just using that as their art or their thumbnail, you really don't want to do that. Even if it's not copyrighted, you want to make sure that you are using work that you're allowed to use. It's just not fair to them. And this is important to know because we have seen some budget contract places that uh, I won't name that sometimes that's what the person does. You pay someone to make you art and they go and they Google. So be aware that this is the thing that happens because you don't want to be the one that ends up thinking I'm totally safe, I'm totally good, and end up accidentally using someone else's work. It's really not fair to take someone else's work and try to use it uh, in your own, even if you think that it's okay to, like with royalty-free music, not following the proper outlined rules. Yes, there's a great example. Royalty-free music, a lot of it has specific rules on it. So you might think, yeah, I'm totally good to use this. This is not anything to do with copyright, but you ignore the part that says it has to be properly attributed. So be aware that there are all sorts of great free things out there, but follow the rules that do apply for that. And also don't Google somebody's image and put it in your how to podcasting document. Just don't do that. <laughs> We've gone through a lot of great examples in this episode and I won't belabor it anymore. But until the podcasting industry adopts a code of ethics, we do here on Better Podcasting encourage you to do your best to abide by closely related industry ethics. Also, know that eventually your breaches or perceived breaches in ethics will eventually catch up to you. You could lose a large amount of listeners because of shady practices. I mean, both of us here have dumped some names off our podcatchers in recent years because of this, and there are others that'll do the same thing. There are many podcasts out there, and that means there are many alternatives for your listeners. If you do shady practices, you might actually lose that listener. I guess you got to ask yourself the question, do you want a short-term gain, or do you want to be able to look yourself in the mirror years from now and have your listeners years from now? If you, listener, actually have an example of an ethics that you should think be used in podcasting, 
don't you go ahead? We'd love to have that conversation. We really would, because this is a wide open topic right now. Go ahead and hit us up at podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Tweet us at betterpod, or go ahead and catch us at our discord at betterpodcasting.com slash discord. Have a little conversation with us, and we will talk about it in a future show. Welcome to this week's Better Podcasting Download. All right, I think I think I started the download last time talking about Apple Podcasts, so I'll go ahead and turn it over to SP here to follow up with last week's Apple Podcasts whole email situation. And we'll remind you, by the way, that we recorded last week's Better Podcasting download like three hours after the first, oh, I spoiled it, the first email came out. There was a total of three emails that came out. There was the first one, which we talked about last week. There was a second one, which was cut off and it looked like somebody had fallen asleep at their keyboard or inadvertently pressed send or something like that. And I think that's actually what happened. The next day, the full email came out. Not everybody got an email. I actually did not get an email, even though I am fully registered with Podcast Connect with the correct email address. I went back in to check and I didn't get the email. Steven was feeding me the email all along. And that's fine. At least I was able to see what was going on. They basically retreated a little bit and I'll caveat that. So they said, we're not going to kick you off for having episode numbers in your title. Full disclosure, there's actually two tags in your RSS feed per episode that deal with your title. There is the actual title. Apple Podcasts doesn't care about the title. They care about the tag that is iTunes colon title. And that is what they were referring to. And they also care about the iTunes colon episode. And that's the episode number tag. So it's come to our attention that the reason, by the way, that this all happened was because, and I have not seen confirmation of this, so I'm not going to say it for sure, but apparently Apple was sued by the American Disabilities Association on actually having ease of use on their website. So that is one rumor that is out there right now. And we'll just go ahead and say that 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 is unconfirmed. SP said that I will double tap that. Yeah, unconfirmed. So if that's the case, I can see where this is coming from, but it wasn't actually stated in any of their communication. The motivation behind this was not stated. It's like, we have these tags, you're going to use them or else you're out. And they could years from now kick you out anyway, but they have said that we're not going to kick you out for that. Now, I still have some issues on modifiers specifically for TV show podcasts where you're actually reviewing a TV show. So the episode number uh, on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, we're talking about runaways. So a bad example that they would not like would be Runaways Rewind. That's the episode name. Rewind on Marvel Comic Universe podcast, LOS 271. This is probably not going to catch the mustard, so to speak, on Apple podcasts for the long term, but it does correctly qualify both the episode number and what the podcast is about. Like if I just say Runaways Rewind, it's like, oh, wow, this is the Runaways Rewind in a podcast version. No, it's not. It's us discussing it. So it has to be qualified somewhere. But you don't want to go ahead and keyword stuff. So you want to limit it. So I think saying Runaways Rewind, a Marvel Comic Universe podcast is okay. I think that's good. What is not okay is if I say Runaways Rewind, a Marvel Comic Universe podcast, LOS 271 from director Roxanne Dawson, writers Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, starring Virginia Gardner, Greg Sulkin, Allegra Acosta, Angel Parker, Ryan Sands, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's going to be keyword stuffing. And by the way, the title is only going to catch the first 40 or 80, it depends on the podcatcher number of characters anyway. So that's all going to be actually truncated. So yes, you can go ahead and have your episode numbers in there. They've said that it is okay. But if you're going to fully use the Apple podcast beta that is coming sometime, it's not out yet. It would behoove you to go ahead and put those iTunes episode numbers in and take those episode numbers out of your iTunes title but go ahead and leave them in your regular title because other podcasters out there are not going to use the iTunes episode tag. And it's worth noting that if you don't have the iTunes title in there, wait, what did you say, Stephen? You said don't have that tag. Yes. That is the part that I want to say is worth noting is not all hosts are ready for the iTunes title. 
There's been some that adopted some of the tags. There has been some that have adopted none of them. The iTunes colon title is actually a relatively new tag, and there are some podcast hosts out there that chose not to do it because essentially the way Apple works is that if the tag doesn't work, they'll pull the regular title one. So if you have a host that allows both, you can kind of do the best of both worlds, but it remains to be seen what podcatchers are actually using iTunes titles and which one is not. Uh, we'll find out, I guess, as the industry starts to tag those differently, we'll find out which ones are using which. Now, Stephen, you started off by introducing the Apple subject in the download. I'm going to go ahead and introduce you to the other main issue that is beleaguering us since the firmware update came out. Spoiler. <laughs> The Roadcaster Pro and the multi-track. So, Stephen, what has been happening with your favorite new piece of equipment? All right. So we talked about it before. Roadcaster Pro, we're waiting to discuss what we feel about it. But the thing is, they announced in January that they were going to be bringing out the 1.1 firmware, which was going to offer multi-track recording on the Roadcaster Pro. Well, guess what? We we took a cheap shot on it last Wednesday, and guess what? It actually happened. It did come out. 1.1 came out in like the last hour on the 28th. It was, I think you had to be Pacific Coast or Hawaii for it to actually be on time. But technically, they got it. Technically, they, they made it. So the firmware came out, and I was actually out on Thursday when this happened. So I'm like, okay, well, tomorrow... I'm going to do a quick walkthrough video of how to update the firmware because someone might want to use that. And at least we can throw that on our channel, how to do that, because it's relatively easy. And sometimes people hear firmware updates and they're afraid to do that because they've heard a whole sorts of horror stories and stuff. So I wanted to do that. And as I went through and I was doing this, I was like, wait a minute, I'm looking at the menu and there's no option here to turn on multi-track recording. There's only a, a toggle in the menu to turn on multi-track over USB. So there's actually a video if you want to check it out at www.geeks.link slash roadcaster USB. That's geeks.link slash roadcaster USB. And all that it is, is me starting off trying to do a firmware update and then ha having this realization and doing a Google and being completely confused because the original announcement was that there would be multi-track uh, recording and even the menu says multi-track recording but ultimately what happened was that there is no actual multi-track recording on the roadcaster pro that's not a feature they've got at this time where the multi-track possibility is is there's now sending over the usb bus all the different channels individually so if you want to dig out your computer or you want to hook it up to your laptop and have a computer capable enough to doing 14 independent channels, you can absolutely record through your computer. But if you are looking for a multi-track recording function on your Rodecaster Pro, it does not exist, which is of course a challenge if you're wanting to use this as a lot of people are, which is traveling, or they're wanting to use this actually recording to the SD card so that they're not having to affect their computer. That doesn't exist at this time. So I put this video out there. I fully admit there's a lot of people giving me flack on that. But the thing that I will point out if you go to that link is that they actually developed a how-to tutorial of the 1.1 firmware where they talked about enabling that feature to put on the recording to micro SD. So it appears to us that between the time that they filmed a 1.1 tutorial and the time they released it, something happened that they had to pull out that recording function to the SD card. So that's our speculation on what happened. But in any case, as of today, there was a tweet that I got from Rode that confirms they are working on enabling that for the next firmware update. So if you go to my Twitter, you can see that. And we don't know when that's going to be. They're actually specifically commenting that they don't know when it will be. But our best theory is that they did end up uh, going and pulling that last minute. I don't know why. As far as whether or not this actually has multi-track recording, at this point, I got to say it doesn't. Like, they've built it as that the menu says that it's multi-track recording, but it's really not because it's really just acting as a multi-track audio interface. There's no actually recording of multi-track function on there. And there's definitely a lot of challenges that come with trying to do that multi-track USB. And trust me, I know from experience because I've had an L12 for the better part of 
what a year and a half that does that and i've tried to do that a few different times and it's very resource intensive because that's 14 different channels and that's the case with the roadcaster and i won't drone on this anymore but just know it does separate out to 14 different channels as of the date that we're recording this i want to say two things first of all if you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and you need that multi-track recording capability in a mixer the Zoom L12 is probably your best bet for about the same amount of money. Yes, it doesn't have the same set of features, but it does have 12, tra- actually 14 tracks of independent multi-track recording. So you're good to go there. The other thing that I wanted to say is that this Rodecaster Pro is an incredible machine if it works with everything. We're not doubting that. We're just saying that right now, it doesn't have everything running and we still have some concerns about the audio quality as we actually said last time around so we'll see what future firmware improvements bring us but right now we're still in the let's wait and see i know there's a lot of excitement in the industry for this thing i get it i, I actually do because if i was starting today and i had that rocaster pro in front of me and knowing that i would not if the apex processing works okay uh, that i wouldn't need a dbx286s i wouldn't need that zoom h6 i wouldn't need the separate mixer that i would have everything in one in a portable piece that i could bring somewhere like a convention or meet my buddies and record somewhere yeah this this thing is great but yeah, no multi-track recording on the device. By the way, those instructions that we were talking about, there was an actual video on their website and it did reference a PolyWave file. So definitely they were talking about multi-track recording because you don't say PolyWave file if you're not dealing with multi-track recording. They actually showed a PolyWave file. So we know that they were actually working on it. We just don't know what went wrong for them to pull it. And we don't know how long it's going to take for them to do a firmware update to actually enable the option. Yeah, and the last thing that I'll mention is that YouTube video is down on the day that we're recording it, so they did end up taking it down, but I, I can confirm, and you can see on the comments, other people saw it too, um, that we all saw the date of the upload was actually the 27th on that video, so was it accidentally uploaded? Maybe, maybe not, but it potentially this feature was pulled like like the last day. We don't know. We don't know, but it's worth noting that that video was uploaded on the 27th. So this could just be something went really wrong. Very, very last minute. We don't know. We don't know. So, so Stephen, let me ask you this. If something went wrong, would you rather not have it out in the wild and pull it? Or would you actually want it in the wild for people to say this doesn't work? I mean, which one would you want if you're a road? Yeah, absolutely. I think from a company and a user's perspective, the polling isn't the issue. I, I think that that was the smart move if there was an issue. I think the biggest difficulty that I have, and I think that the biggest criticism that I have is the lack of communication because they went and they put it out as multi-track recording. It's like that on the menu. The original menu, the original announcement says nothing about over USB. There's actually tweets out there where somebody asked if it was going to be an add-on feature of the USB and there was no like, you know, conversation about, oh, it's actually going to be USB, not multi-track recording. I think the best bet would have been on the announcement, just putting something out there saying, we understand a lot of people were hoping to have this on here. We were as well. We're working on it. Or even if they weren't sure if it was going to work out, just say, we're exploring whether or not we're going to be able to implement this in a future firmware update. Just something because a lot of people, you know, saw multi-track recording and it really only multi-track records if it records on the device because it's really an audio interface otherwise so let's go ahead though and move on to our better pod back where we'll talk a little bit about that after we talk about a review that we recently got All right, this first thing that we want to talk about here is an awesome iTunes review. I that's right, I said iTunes. That we got from a listener. SP, go ahead and read this wonderful iTunes Apple Podcast review. Definitely, it's from Apple Pod. The screenshot that you're looking at is Apple Podcasts. It's not iTunes in this case. I know last time we said iTunes and it was from iTunes. The screenshot is from Apple Podcasts. Just making that clear. Here, you got to differentiate between the two. Otherwise, Apple will slap your hand. 
fair enough. We had a review from Scott Secura, longtime listener, first time caller, and here's the review. Quote, one of my favorite podcasts about podcasting. There are many podcasts that cover the topic of what is going on in the podcast scene, but these two gentlemen do it better than everyone. Very entertaining and informative and easy to follow. I like the segment format of the show the best, and I think the show has a great flow and energy. Thanks for all the great information and laughs. Oh, and P.S. Keep up with the beard growth, SP. If you need any help or tips on growing a championship type of beard, check out my podcast, The Beard Caster, and learn a thing or two on world-class facial hair growth and lifestyle. Thanks, Scott, unquote. Love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, and to wrap up our better pod back this week, let's go and quickly talk about some of the feedback that we got in our Discord server about the whole Roadcaster Pro thing. This uh, was a hot topic when this all came out because we have quite a few people in our Discord who are really following the Roadcaster Pro, and some of them were waiting to see what would happen because they wanted to get it. And that starts off with our first one, which was from who, SP? It was from Min Kinetic, and he said, Hey, Steven, I just watched the Roadcaster Pro video. That's a bummer. With that issue, do you still see the use you alluded to for it? I think at one point you mentioned using it in conjunction with the L12. Also, I may shoot you an email shortly. I'd love to more fully understand your audio and video flow with XSplit, Skype, and L12. And uh, at this time, no, I don't, I don't really have a use for for the Rodecaster Pro in my setup. And and I'll be honest, like I don't think anybody would ever need to have the two. Uh, I, I just, because I have the two, I was thinking about doing something really weird and roundabout. So I want to make that very clear right now. If somebody is looking for a, a way to use devices or way to set up their podcast system, don't follow what I said. I, I said that very cautiously and, and obviously not cautiously enough because really... I think that you're asking for problems putting the two together and I, I, I wouldn't suggest it. I, I'm just, I'm just going to do it because I'm crazy. Uh, the next thing that we had was from waffles waffles set on the bright side. There's now precedent for calling my audio interface, a multi-track recorder. I love it. It's so true. And this is the point that I've seen a lot of people dismissing is that it's not a multi-track recorder. If it's just an audio interface, because by that logic, Every single audio interface should be branded as a recorder. And we could take it another step for those who have the audio mixers. Well, you know what? We actually had someone named Stargate Pioneer put this perfectly. What did Stargate Pioneer say, SB? The Stargate Pioneer. I don't know who this guy is. He said, quote, cool. My Mackie Pro FX 16 V2 is now a multi-track recorder. What a score. I got away with a steal for $499 on that baby. He's got USB. It has more than one track on that USB channel. Thus, it is a multi-track recorder. <laughs> according and to, to be the clear, logic. what we're talking about is a stereo track. Yes. So it's two tracks. So multi-track recorder because of the stereo track. And this was the one that actually kind of took me by surprise because this was a little bit later. So Mim Kinetics uh, first message was at 6 or 1 a.m. my time. And this one came in later in that day at 4.20 p.m. So a lot of back and forth happened in the day. But I wanted to highlight this one here just because of sort of it, it really captures what we were talking about earlier with the sort of disappointment that this firmware was for some people. And Mim Kinetics said, well, I'll have a Zoom L12 at my door by 9 p.m. tomorrow, according to Amazon. Waiting on road is not worth it, especially if it turns out that they can't make it work in the end. And I think it's it's a consideration for some. For people who are looking for that multi-track recording right now, can they wait? Uh, I, I'll be honest. I think there's a lot of people assuming audio quality is there and everything that will be better if it does multi-track recording to get the Rodecaster Pro over the L12. I think it's going to be a simpler setup for some people, an easier setup, a, a, a little bit more enhanced setup for some people if it does multi-track recording. For some people, the L12 is going to be the far better option just because of the, the more flexibility with it. But if you're just looking for something that's an audio mixer that does multi-track recording, are, and you need it now, you can't really wait much longer on the Roadcaster Pro. So there's definitely going to be use cases for both. And I think that, unfortunately, some people are going to have to go with the L12 just because of the time. 
I've seen a couple of tweets, one, maybe two tweets of people that were responding the same way that I can't wait. So I'm just going to go ahead and get the L12. I get it. I mean, in this technology evolving space that we're at, say in the cell phone market, right? If you're one month away from that next cell phone release, whether it's Samsung or Apple or LG or whatever, and you're a month away, but your phone breaks and you don't have an old one that you can go back to. Yeah, you're buying a new phone a month early and you're basically skipping the update because of that. This is the same thing in this case. It's just bad timing sometimes. For sure. So if you have something to say about any of this, get in touch with us through any of the ways. We'd love to put that in here for a future edition of Better Podback. Go on over to betterpodcasting.com or send us an email to podcast at betterpodcasting.com. But that is going to take us to the end of the show. So for episode 171 of Better Podcasting, I'm Stephen John Drew saying, we hope you enjoyed the episode. How I Saved My Podcast Story hasn't gone anywhere. It will definitely be back. MSP saying happy podcasting and let us know if you have any feedback, including ethics that we didn't talk about this time. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Better Podcasting. We want to hear from you. You can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. If you like the show, please consider giving us a five-star review in iTunes. We encourage you to check out all of the other geeky podcasts available at gunnageeknetwork.com. This has been a Gunna Geek production. Thanks for listening, and we will see you again next week.